Good afternoon, folks. David Bozell for America. I want to want to talk about the First Amendment. The First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States contains the words, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. The freedom to speak. It is the essential equation of our founding. It is the essential equation of our republic. There is no conservative movement, no conservatism without the freedom to speak. There's no William F. Buckley Jr. There's no Rush Limbaugh. There's no Ronald Reagan. There's no Donald Trump without the freedom to speak. It is the reason the United States is so incomprehensible to nearly every other nation on earth. And it will be the reason, if we can preserve the freedom to speak, it will be the reason America never dies, if we can preserve it. Now, I got sent something a couple weeks ago that over the break I took a look at, and it's from an operation called Foundation for Freedom Online. Don't know a ton about these guys, but they have this massive special report in a three-part series detailing how the Department of Homeland Security seized power over online speech. That's their title. We'll get into a little bit of it, but I want to take you back to the Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Board, which we all very effectively, I might add, effectively tagged that as the Ministry of Truth. In fact, there was a popular Twitter account that got started up mocking the whole thing called the Ministry of Truth. You remember that? It showed up in April of 2022. This big-time never-Trump girl, pro-Democrat, pro-lib everything, was running it. She was weird. She was running around in her private feeds singing songs about disinformation campaigns. and It was weird, right? Ends up being shut down. They get spooked. They end up shutting it down. That was the DHS Disinformation Board. That was back in April of 2022. Contrary to popular belief, it did not start in April of 2022. That's really when we first heard about it. Its origins, according to this report by the Foundation for Freedom Online, its origins date back to January of 2017, just days before Trump was inaugurated. And you start to piece this together, and because I've been wondering recently, why are the Democrats hammering on the word democracy? We're not even a democracy, for starters. It's not like there's polling that sort of shows them the way, that the defense of democracy, that that's at the top of any voter's wish list. Every talking head on the Democrat side just pounds away at that word, pounds away at defending democracy. And we're not even a democracy, so why do they keep banging away at this topic. This report says in January of 2017, the Department of Homeland Security, again, right before Trump was inaugurated, cleverly redefined the word internally from themselves. They redefined the word cybersecurity to mean, and I quote, cyber defense of democracy. So remember, the Democrats are always pounding away at democracy. The word democracy. And days before Trump is inaugurated in 2017, DHS redefines the word cybersecurity to mean 
in their eyes, quote, the cyber defense of democracy. Now, a year later, DHS again pulls off a little trick, defining for themselves what the word disinformation means. They define disinformation in 2018 as a threat to democracy, quote-unquote. Remember, now DHS is in the business of cyber defense of democracy, and disinformation is a threat to democracy. And again, according to this report, Foundation for Freedom, in 2019, the bow was placed all over top all of it. Cybersecurity, quote-unquote, air quotes, now meant the cyber, quote, the cyber defense against digital disinformation. So what once was DHS's mandate to protect our cybersecurity assets against foreign adversaries and the like now became a mandate for cyber censorship domestically. And it gets into how even the best presidents, how massive and how massively intrusive these agencies have become with these blank checks being written by Congress. We trust you, we trust you. We'll just, you guys come in and we'll have an oversight hearing. You tell us what you're doing and we'll just bang our, bang our dais and get a good clip going for social media and tell you how we're mad. But here you go, here you go, here's your budget. Meanwhile, these agencies are so big that nobody really notices that the Department of Homeland Security now the second biggest behind the IRS now. Well, we'll get to that. Changed cybersecurity to mean cyber defense of democracy. They changed disinformation to mean the threat to democracy. And now cybersecurity meant their charge was the cyber defense against digital disinformation. Now they can easily walk into Silicon Valley, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere else, YouTube, Say, that's not good, that's not good, that's a threat to democracy, that's a threat to democracy, that's disinformation, that's a threat, that's a threat, take it down, take it, suspend him. In our view, that's not correct. They say the sky is blue and it's green because they've given themselves this mandate. And then voila, April 2022, we should just create a board because that's what agencies do. They just create boards, committees, bureaucracy, Bureaucracies create more bureaucracies. They'll create a disinformation board. That got leaked out and everybody hit on it appropriately. But the seeds were planted at DHS years ago. And under the Trump administration, I might add. According to this report. The most popular communication vehicles, platforms ever created by man... And the United States government have combined to form this sort of massive Death Star to censor an endless list of topics, right? COVID, the origins of COVID, the treatments of COVID, the 2020 election, Hunter Biden, gender stuff, the list goes on. And on top of that, it's all funded by you, the taxpayer. All of it. Your silence... Their ability to silence you 
is funded by you. Now, the legislative branch, the House, is going to change in less than 100 days. Now, for decades, Congress has abdicated its responsibilities to the executive branch. They don't even know or really remember how to defund anything. I honestly cannot remember the last time a Republican Congress cut spending in a meaningful way. I'm not sure that the staffs of these members or even the incoming staffs of these members know how to do it. I'm not sure. Now, Republicans are having a tremendous amount of success across the country on a range of items. We're flipping school boards from San Francisco to Miami. We've just installed school choice in Arizona. We elected Glenn Youngkin in Blue Virginia. 22 states have uh, attacked their election day problems, passing legislation that includes, but not limited to, more voter ID, less mail-in ballots, less mail-in boxes, voter roll purges, all good things, all good things. The conservative media's ecosystem is still pretty darn big and still very influential, despite the fact that this Death Star of government and social media companies and regular legacy media companies are out to silence everybody. And let's not forget ending the abomination that was Roe v. Wade. So we've had a tremendous amount of success. But our Achilles heel, if we have a, if we have a Achilles heel of our movement, conservatism, it is Congress. And yes, we all do a, whole, a fair share of complaining about McConnell or McCarthy. If it's not McCarthy, it's Paul Ryan. If it's not Paul Ryan, it's John Boehner. If it's not Mitch McConnell, it's John Cornyn. Yes, and rightfully. But the specific problem is that the federal funding of these programs continues without a fight to stop it. And Congress has not learned how to be honest with the American people and say two things. A, your funding has failed. B, we can't afford it. And C, we're giving it back to you. They just haven't been able to connect those dots. I think if they did, we wouldn't even be discussing red waves turning into small waves, small trickles. Now, there's endless reasons for this. These guys, Republicans included, they're too addicted to the spending. They don't know how. We just discussed. Their staffs don't know how, potentially. And a lot of folks, even on our side, as much as we love them, they're obsessed with shiny objects like impeachments or investigations, the two I words, the two I's, that I, as I call them. You're not being sent to Washington. Don't misread the moment, guys. You're going to be sent to take control over the House. Senate's going to be trickier. Always was going to be trickier. But you're going to take control over the House. You're not being sent to the House to impeach and investigate. 
You're being sent to the House to get the federal government off the backs of the American people. You're going to have all the power in the world to do so. If you just Google power over the purse, the first item that shows up is the U.S. House of Representatives. First one. You have all the power in the world to do it. But do you have the want and the will? I think you do. But there's going to be opportunities in the next few months for you guys to prove it. That brings us to the IRS. And this 87,000 person staffed new program that supposedly is going to go after rich people's money but looks more and more like they're going to be going after people's PayPal and Venmo accounts and DraftKings winnings and but they're going to go after conservatives. They're going to, they're trying to terrify you, make you scared of voting for Republicans. Don't vote for Republicans or we'll come after you with the new IRS. Because squelching speech online wasn't as successful as they thought it might be. Shutting you up. They've figured out that you're going to find ways to get your voice out. And they have to make sure, even if you want to be quiet about things, because you can't say things, certain things anymore, that you're not going to vote for the guy anyway. So they're going to threaten with an IRS prosecution. That brings me to the story of the Chinese farmer. I heard, I saw this on Joe Rogan's show, an old clip of Rogan's. Somebody was talking about the parable of the Chinese farmer. It goes like this. One day, the, the Chinese farmer had the best stallion in the whole town. Unfortunately, the stallion runs away and is lost. The whole town goes up to the Chinese farmer and town tells the Chinese farmer, oh my gosh, that must be terrible. What a terrible misfortune. And the Chinese farmer says, maybe. The next day, the stallion returns, but this time with seven wild stallions. So now he's, now he's got eight beautiful stallions of the envy of the town. The town comes up to the Chinese farmer. Oh my gosh, you just totally lucked out. Well done. And the Chinese farmer says, maybe. The next day, his son tries to tame one of the wild stallions and gets thrown off the horse and breaks his leg. And the town comes up to the Chinese farmer and says, oh my gosh, that's terrible. I hope he's okay. But what a terrible misfortune. And the Chinese farmer says, you guessed it, maybe. The next day, the Chinese construction service shows up, knock, knock on the door, trying to get the son to join the Chinese and they don't take him because of the broken leg. And the town comes up to the Chinese farmer and says, Wow, you guys, you lucked out. Of course, the Chinese farmer says, Maybe. The IRS bill, as bad and as dastardly as this is, is the perfect opportunity to learn how to gut programs in Washington for Republicans it is perfect. It is a misfortune for us, the taxpayer, and for us as conservatives, and for us as conservative voters 
in the moment. Understand that the Republicans have not had a lot of experience defunding things, zeroing things out of the budget. They've kind of lost their want and their will. Everyone has become an Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh about it. Can't be done. They're not going to do it. I'll believe it when I see it. Or they channel their Jan, the sure Jan from Brady Bunch. Maybe, I guess. Everyone's become an Eeyore about it. But here's the opportunity as it relates to the IRS. Okay. Number one, it is not popular. Okay. Now, healthcare, Obamacare was not popular. Right. Either. But. At least if you could defend Boehner, if you had to defend Boehner's decision not to really fight for it or McConnell's, you could say, okay, I guess it was health care, health insurance. There were underinsured people. There were uninsured people. We should find a way to help these people. Plus, there was Obama, who wasn't my preferred speaker. I thought he would just vomit words out, but all things remaining equal. If you had to be fair about it and objective about it, a lot of people enjoyed hearing from him. Thought he was the cool cat in town. Couldn't beat him in a messaging war. Carried the, swung the big stick. Was good on social media, whether Republicans were not. Had the regular media in his back pocket. Could give a hell of a speech. All those things. So the Republicans were afraid of their own shadows and they were afraid to take him on. Because A, the man, and B, the issue, healthcare. With this, with the IRS, nobody wants it. Nobody. The only people clamoring for an 87,000 person expansion of the IRS are little pipsqueak millennials who want everything for free. That's the only real demographic. They just want to go get the bad guys who they think, or they've been brainwashed into thinking that. Don't pay their taxes. So it's not popular. Number two, it's Biden pushing it. This guy can barely get out of bed in the morning and put together a complete sentence with subjects and verbs and proper punctuation. He can barely do it if he even accomplishes it at all. Are you really telling me that you're afraid to take on Joe Biden in a messaging war? You can't possibly be telling me that. You're going to have one of his signature domestic accomplishments, in air quotes, on your desk to decide whether you want to continue funding it. Are you really going to fund it? You can't possibly fund your own demise. You're funding your donor's own demise. You're funding your voter's own demise. With their money, I might add, with our money. You can't possibly do that. Voting for it, voting to continue the IRS bill is indefensible. There is nothing good about the IRS bill. And I'm just just narrowing the IRS portion of that bill. All the environmental crap that's in it is bad enough. And ought not be funded either. But I'm looking for opportunities for Republicans to learn how to get their sea legs as it relates to a spending fight. And the IRS bill is the perfect opportunity for it. 
there is nothing in the political sphere that's pressuring you to fund it. No one wants this. Democrats could barely get it across the finish line by themselves. So you have a mandate to gut it. Oh, but, but, but the Senate, if we don't take back the Senate, listen, guys, people in the House of Representatives, it is time to reassert your constitutionally mandated authority over the resources of taxpayers in this country. You are supposed to be stewards of taxpayer resources. Beyond, besides declaring war, which you don't do anyway, putting that function aside, it is your number one job to be stewards of taxpayer resources. All that is required is that you be honest with the country and you say, look, nobody sent us here to do this. Nobody wants it. We're not paying for it. Case closed. You have to have the want and the will to present your spending priorities to the president and to the Senate and say, this is where we're at. This is what can get passed out of the House. This and only this, take it or leave it. We are the representatives of taxpayers. We are the closest level of representation to the American people at a federal level. Governors, states, local municipalities, towns, that's at the local non-federal level. At the federal level, it's Congress, Senate, President. You're, the, you're on the ground. You're in the thick of it with the voters. Treat your voters with respect and be honest with them and say, we're not commit to not funding it and a host of other things. But get your sea legs. I know these guys. They don't know where to start. They don't know where to start with regards to getting the government off the backs of the American people. That's been one of the biggest problems with cutting spending. They just, because some constituency out there, we like to, the military budget is too big. Are you really going to defund Ukraine? It's fighting for its life. Okay. The healthcare budget is too big. What? Are you really going to throw grandma off the cliff? The environmental budget is too big. You just can't possibly be serious about taking money away from trees. Can't. It's our environment. It's our future. Can't possibly do that. There's excuses after excuses for every single one of these issues. But there is no good reason to make the IRS which, to my knowledge, according to written reports, if the 87,000 were to be filled, would be the largest agency in the federal government. The tax collecting... We were founded as a... We were revolting against taxes. I mean... Our revolutionaries must be rolling over in their graves. Like, graves, are you really going to fund and hand over your taxpayer money so that an agency can collect more from you and prosecute your own demise? 
can't possibly have that under consideration. If the Republican Party does not find a way to gut this IRS bill, it will never shrink the size of the federal government ever. And those are the stakes. So if you pay attention to Washington politics, who's up, who's down, who's representing, who has control, who has power, even up to and including who's the president of the United States, if the Republicans cannot gut the IRS, and I don't care that Biden's in there because he's a speed bump toward those ends, if you can't do that, you'll never shrink the size of the federal government. And we all might as well go be golf course superintendents. Because we're already funding the suppression of our speech, which the Republicans need to be granular about and attacking those provisos as well. But get your sea legs. Get confident about what you're doing. Get some wins under your belt, some policy wins, some shrinking of the federal government wins. The perfect place to do that is at the IRS bill. It's with the IRS bill. And so there's going to be a, a ton of pressure for them to do it, and we're going to be tip of this, for that effort. But that's got to be done. I'm confident that it will be. I'm just because I'm. A, I choose to be an optimistic guy. But just understand those the dynamics at play. Okay, it's a ser- It's a. It's an instructive issue for us. If they cannot gut the IRS bill that Biden just passed, they will never gut anything. And that's why I've got my attention on. Because there is nothing that's defensible about it. Nothing. So it's the perfect place to start. And once you've started, you'll have confidence to start gutting a lot of other things. And now the House can reclaim its authority as a co-equal branch of government as our founders intended. All right. Over and out. Thanks for uh, thanks for hearing me out. Take it easy.